Clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise all over this building. Let's stand to our feet and magnify the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, everybody wants to get a deal. It's just something about how we're wired. Always found it amazing. A woman can go to a store, 50% off, 75% off, whatever. Hey, I live with nothing but females. I've sat at a lot of stores waiting on choppers. A woman could spend $1,000. And she's going to look at how much she saved. But a guy's going to look at how much he spent. Everybody wants to get a deal. That's why people love garage sales. Let me tell you something. You don't make money on garage sales. You sell $10,000 worth of stuff for $300 and you get excited about it. And that's just dumb. You lose money on garage sales. But you know, you're never going to find a deal like you do when you come to Jesus Christ and you bring all of your trash and all of your junk and God says, you give me all of that and I'll give you beauty for ashes. I've never regretted going to an altar. I've never regretted going to the Lord in prayer. I've always left feeling like I got the better end of the deal. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God this morning? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Great to be in De Quincey with you, wonderful church. Give honor to your pastor, love, brother and sister, Neelan. Amen. Turn with me to the word of the Lord, book of Matthew, chapter 26. I'm going to read just a few verses, beginning with verse 51. Good to see Brother Robbie. Love Brother Robbie Bankins. His family played a huge role in my family's life, my mother's life, and I'll forever be grateful for that family. Amen. Bible says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Watch this. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? Now, I don't have a lot of notes today. This is all decoration. But I have a word from the Lord. Now I want to help somebody here today. I want to preach from this thought. When God's power won't prevail. When God's power won't prevail. Lift your hands with me one more time. I want us to ask the Lord to minister to our hearts today. Father, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. Someone here today needs this word that you have put in my heart. And I pray that the Holy Ghost would help me 
deliver this according to the perfect will of God. We thank you and we give you praise. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord right now? Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. We understand that scripture declares in the very beginning of, of, of the word of the Lord that, that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The very essence of God's DNA is to create things. As he moves, he is always ministering. As his spirit hovers and fills all space and time and every nook and cranny and crack, he is meeting and he is touching and he is keeping and he is nurturing. It, it's his very essence. He cannot do something outside of his character. For the absence to act is, is, is contradictory to who he is. He is life. He is power. He is health and he is strength. And so his very essence is to create. We understand that this word, this logos became flesh as recorded in verse 14 of that same chapter. This was simply the fulfillment of God's timeline. For before Jesus existed as the son of man, he existed as the prophetic lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before we view the totality of Christ, we've got to look at how he came into being because we have the privilege of reading this book from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, and we can analyze it from a different viewpoint. But those that walked in this book did not have that opportunity. They were living this thing out. The Bible said that the word of the Lord came unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And so God would slowly reveal aspects of who he was from one person. Abraham, I'm going to show you that I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to show this person that I am Jehovah Nisi. And so God would reveal characteristics of who he was and, and so when they needed healing they would pray to Jehovah Rapha the Lord is my healer when they needed uh, peace they would pray to this aspect of Jehovah and so on and on we have various attributes of who God was and as they walked in obedience God revealed more of who he was. This is why scripture says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Because as we walk in obedience, we see greater aspects of who God is. Thus we find scripture telling us that men walked with the Lord, Enoch and Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the list can go on and on and on. But scripture declares in Genesis 4 and 4, 
When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. The fullness of time, the timeline of God, the will of God, took everything that the Old Testament embodied. And when the name of Jesus was introduced to the lips of humanity, no longer would they be relying upon all of these different aspects of Jehovah. But with one name, they could summons all of heaven and earth in one name. Aren't you thankful today for the name of Jesus? For neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Name of Jesus. This is why the enemy tries to distort and rob people of the revelation of who God is. Because if you cannot see him in his entirety, you will not receive him in his fullness. I'm going to help somebody this morning. And I probably have shared this with you, but I felt it this morning, so I'm going to share it again. In the incarnation, God became what he was not, yet remained what he already was. All right? So how is that possible? Let's look at it. When I was born, the first role I filled was a son. Son wasn't my name. Tyler was my name. But the role I filled was a son. And later on in life, when I knew everything there was to know about life at 19, I got married. And I became what I was not, a husband. But I never stopped being what I already was, a son. And then a year and a half later, we had a baby. And I became what I was not, a father. But I never stopped being what I already was, a husband and a son. So it's entirely possible to change roles without changing identity. Now when a baby is born, we know that it pulls from its mother's side and it pulls from its father's side. It'll say, well, this baby's got his mama's nose. It's got his daddy's eyes. And you know, you just start dissecting the baby. That's what you do. Well, Jesus was no different. Anything that Jesus did that could be done by humans, he did it on his mother's side. Anything that he did that could not be done by humans, he did it on his father's side. On his mother's side, he was the son of man. But on his father's side, he was the son of God. On his mother's side, he was the seed of David. But on his father's side, he was the root of David. On his mother's side, he was a preacher. But on his father's side, he was a creator. On his mother's side, he was finite. But on his father's side, he was infinite. On his mother's side, he was natural. But on his father's side, he was supernatural. On his mother's side, he was 33 years old. But on his father's side, 
he was the ancient of days. On his mother's side, he got hungry. But on his father's side, he fed 5,000. On his mother's side, he walked by the sea. But on his father's side, he walked on the sea. On his mother's side, he preached the word. But on his father's side, he was the word. On his mother's side, he died on a cross. But on his father's side, he rose from a grave. Hey, friend, no wonder Paul said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We ought to give that name praise this morning. We ought to worship that holy name right now. Somebody shout the name Jesus. Hey, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing and salvation and deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. It was that Jesus that said all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Don't you realize there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. He can do anything. See, we think that God can only do what we imagine him doing. What we can figure out. But his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher. I'm thankful God don't think like me. You better be thankful God doesn't think like you. But can I tell you that God can do far beyond what you can think or imagine? And when God does it, it's always better than what you would have done for yourself. What does it take to activate the power of God? It takes faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, which means you've got to respond to the Lord. You can't wait for God to come to you. You've got to respond to God. That's the beauty of going to an altar. Can God touch people in the pews? Absolutely. But there is something significant when I step out of a pew and I respond to the call of God. I'm showing God that I'm coming to him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You got to believe that he is. He is what? He is everything his word says he is. If I need healing, he's my healer. If I need deliverance, he's my deliverer. If I need salvation, he's my savior. You got to believe that he is what he says he is. But you got to also believe that he don't offer false hope. And that if I respond to that call of God, that he will heal. He will deliver. He will save. He will do what his word says he would do. Takes faith. Activate the miraculous. We already know that God can do anything. We've already established the fact that God is all powerful and that there is nothing that he cannot do. His very essence is to move and to create and to touch and to help and to heal. It's who he is. Jesus said, have faith in God. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, 
Be thou removed and it will be cast into the sea. He was not saying every mountain that you speak to will move. He was saying this is how powerful faith is. And we have taken that scripture literally. And I have watched people throughout time get so frustrated and lose out with God. Because their mountain did not move. Talking about good people, faithful people, people that love God, but they were doing everything the book said to do. They were faithful in their giving. They were faithful in prayer. They were faithful to the house of God. Yet when the mountain did not move, it left them in bewilderment. God, what's going on? What in the world are you doing? I'm doing what your book says and yet I'm not getting the results that I'm desiring. Here's what I've learned about people. That nothing makes you pray like pain. We don't pray for pain. We pray against pain. I don't know anybody that goes to the Lord in prayer and says, okay, God, I want this to be the worst week I've ever had in my life. I mean, I want people to get mad at me. I want to get sick. Nobody does this. Our natural reaction when discomfort comes is to try to pray the pain away. Get rid of the very thing that's causing discomfort. That's just our natural reaction. We don't want pain. But it could be that pain is what makes you become more like Christ. And if God removes the thorn, Paul, then you won't stay close to me like you need to stay close to me. So I'm going to leave some junk in your life. And I'm going to let grace flow abundantly in your life. Because that's what's keeping you like me. It takes faith to operate the power of God. But there are times when the power of God won't prevail. As powerful as it is, and we know that it can do anything, there's times when there is something greater than the power of God. In our text today, we read when Jesus After Peter cut off the ear, Jesus put it back on, said, I'm using my word, Peter, put that sword up. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. There's something fixing to happen here. He said, don't you realize how powerful I am? He said, I can pray right now and 12 legions of angels will be here in an instant. There was not a problem with the power of God. There's something greater than God's power. And that's called God's will. Hey, we're not arguing and debating how powerful God is. That fact is established. But there is something that overrides the power of God. And that's called the will of God. It was the will of God that Jesus be betrayed. 
It was the will of God that he go to a cross. All of the agony and the suffering and the pain was part of the plan of God. And we can get so focused on God's power that we forget that there is a will of God that has to be established and done in our life. And the will of God overrides the power of God every time. If the will of, if the power of God would not pull Jesus out of that situation, what makes us think that's going to be different for us? takes faith to activate the power of God. Let me tell you, it takes trust to walk in the will of God. Faith can activate something in the miraculous. But faith and trust are two different things. God, Jesus Christ had all power. We, here, here's how we think. We think unanswered prayers are an indicator that God doesn't care. Not true. Not true. In fact, unanswered prayers could mean that he cares more than you think. Because you're praying for things according to your desires and your flesh. And if God answered every one of those prayers, you may not even be in this building this morning. So God loves you enough to say, because I love you, I'm not going to answer this prayer. Because it would push you further from me. That's what we think. God, you just don't love me. Because we think of God like we think of people. We put God on the same category as humans, and God is not a human. He's a spirit that at one time housed a human body, but he is a spirit. You cannot approach God based on the realm of human logic. You've got to approach God through faith and trust and realize when God does not do what I think he should do, it's probably because he knows more than I know. There are times when the will of God allows what his power could prevent. Jesus could have called down angels. He had the power to do it. If there's anything that's hard for God, I feel like this is my opinion. One of the hardest things for God to do is to not perform when he knows he can. Now, if I was God and I knew that I had unlimited power and ability to do anything, I'd be putting on a show 24-7. That's just me. I'd just be walking by people, boom, boom. That's just how I think. And don't you know that God understands the fullness of his power? But his power constantly moving is like a, a horse running wide open. If you just let it, it's just going to run. But there has to be a bridle and reins on that horse. And the reins is called the will of God. 
If his power is just let go without any type of accountability, there would never be any people die. There would never be any sickness. There would never be an unanswered prayer because his very essence and nature is to perform. But there has to be some reins put on it. Think about this. Do you realize how hard it was for Jesus to be held by his mother when he knew everything about her? Do you realize how hard it was for him to crawl when he knew he could get up and walk on water? How hard it was for him to learn how to talk when he knew every language known to man? But the will of God deals with processes and times. And it throttles the power of God. And makes it fall right in line with the perfect timing and the will of God. The will of God. Times with the will of God allows what what his power could prevent. What do you do when God's power doesn't prevail when you speak to the mountain and the mountain doesn't move you don't give up on God you trust God scripture says trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding see you You don't have to trust what you understand. You have to trust what you don't understand. And I'm talking to people that you have went to prayer and you have cried buckets of tears saying, God, I do not understand. Why did you not heal? Why did you not touch? Why did you not do this? And and, and you're trying to figure out the power of God. And God's saying, I wanted to, but there was something that overruled me. And that's called my will. The will of God. Last year, I've only shared this a couple of times. Last year around this time, March, April, somewhere around there, I was in our prayer room at church just during the day, praying, talking to the Lord. And it was as real as if the Lord was in the room with me, how God talks to me. He asked me a question, middle of my prayer time. Odd question. He said, can you trust me through death? And I literally stopped, froze, and I started crying. I said, Lord, I don't even know how to answer that question. I said, I'm going to answer you the way that Ezekiel answered you when you asked him, can these bones live? I said, oh Lord, thou knowest. If you know I can, then I can. But if you know that I can't, you won't let me go through anything that's going to crush me. Two other times last year, 
the Lord asked me the same question during prayer. Can you trust me through death? And so I lived last year knowing that death was coming knocking close to my door. I didn't know who it was going to be. And I didn't even try to, there was no way that I could figure out what was going to happen. My mind wanted to. But I knew I had a word from God regardless of what happened in my life. So it was on February the 3rd when my mother fell and broke her hip. You got to understand, there's very few people closer to my, with their parents like I was to my mama. I mean, tight. She was the one that encouraged me to, in my ministry. I'd call, I'd say, mama, does this message make sense? And if mama said it was a good message, it was a good message. And when I heard she went in the hospital, I heard a knock on my door. And I tried to push it out of my spirit. No, there's no way. There's no way. Not mama. But that knock. And the Lord would ask me, driving down the road, can you trust me through death? And I'd say, God, you know. Oh, Lord, thou knowest complications during a hip replacement led to being put on a ventilator. And we prayed, and I had people praying. I, I had Brother Neelan, Sister Neelan pray. We had people praying everywhere. And within five days, God brought her off that vent. And I rejoiced because faith had activated the power of God. But I couldn't help it. I still heard a knock. Can you trust me through death? And I would be driving down the road saying, Oh Lord, thou knowest. Oh Lord, thou knowest. Just a few days later, back on the vent. Got to talk to her right before she went on it. February 28th. It was just on March the 18th. When God said, it's time to take her home. Standing by her bedside, watched as she passed from one side to the other. I heard the Lord ask me again, can you trust me through death? I saw God's power perform in her life time and time and time again. But there came a point when God's power didn't prevail because there was something greater than his power and that was his will. And I'm preaching to people today that you have been so burdened down in your spirit and in your mind as to why God did not do things like you thought he should. I'm here to tell you because the will of God Has to be done. Has to be done. Do you think it pleased God to go to a cross? We've got proof that he didn't want to when he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. What he heard was the knock of the will of God 
that was pushing out the power of God. And if you live for God any length of time, you'll go to him with tears. And you'll say, I don't understand. I don't understand why you didn't do this. And it's at that point that you've got to transition from faith to trust. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. When I don't understand you, I trust you. I can't figure out what you're doing. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Stand with me right now. The Holy Ghost is is here to minister to people. As our musicians come, heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. There's never been a problem with getting God to do what he is supposed to do. There's never been a blinded eye too hard for him to open. There's never been a a dead person he could not raise. There's never been a situation that God could not perform in. So our musicians come. But you got to remember today that there's something greater than his power. And when God does not perform like you want him to, that does not mean he can't. Does not mean his power has changed. It means that the will of God pulled the reins on the power of God. And it's in that season of trust that you're going to be made more like Him. It's in that season of heartache that you're going to feel the strength of God in a way that you've never felt before. God can never dry your tears unless you first start crying. God can never pick you up unless you first fall down. All of these things have to happen for us to be more like Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm asking you today. Maybe you're looking at your situation and God's wanting to change your perspective of it. Maybe you need to realize this morning that God does care and God is with you. And as much as he would love to change your situation right now, and I know that he can, maybe it's the will of God that you stay in that situation right now because the end result is it's going to make you better in the end. I'm going to open this altar, and when we come to this altar this morning, this is not a walk of faith. This morning, it's going to be a walk of trust. And when you come to this altar and you lift your hands, I want you to verbalize to the Lord, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. I don't understand you, but I trust you. I'm opening this altar. I'm inviting every single person that will as they begin to sing. I want you to come and let the Holy Ghost minister to your spirit this morning. You can leave here refreshed in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to leave here 
burdened down. You don't have to leave here weighted down. Just know today that God is with you. Come on, open up your heart and your mouth as they begin to sing. I trust you, Lord. I don't understand what you're doing. I can't figure out what you're doing. But I want you to know I trust you. I want you to know I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Oh, that's beautiful. Reach out to the Lord right now. Oh, I praise you, mighty God.
Oh, my God. 